Welcome back to Death Watch's Call of Cthulhu campaign, Descent into Darkness Season 2. I am Travis. I will be your keeper today. And we are all gathered in the storeroom of the New England Museum, Museum of the Occult. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Where our principal investigators are having a conversation about everything that they've discovered, which basically boils down to evidence seems to be pointing to some kids from Harvard having something to do with this investigation into the murder of Mr. Dooley. For the Arkham crew, that would be Professor Mueller and Mr. Monroe, they have discovered, or at least theorized, that there is an apparatus of some sort of dark power that lies latent around Boston that may have been hijacked by another group or is just still lying there and was used most recently by the Chapel of Contemplation. So we will return to that discussion in the storeroom. But first, let's get an introduction from our players about them, their investigators. <laughs> All right. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm playing Johan Mueller, and uh, everything seems to be getting better. <laughs> I'm Dr. Wallace Andrews, played by Brandon <laughs> Turner, and I'm currently still trying to figure out how we can get Charlie Murphy... Uh, set free because I don't I'm not convinced he committed this crime and I'm Justin I'm playing Lance Monroe who right now is very happy that his museum is full mm. as well as uh, you know digging deeper into all of the mysteries that are happening in and around Boston <laughs> yeah it feels a little safer so we had last left off with you guys smoking the Dreamcastle tobacco, going over its flavor. Uh, so the everybody except for Mr. Monroe was partaking in that. And so Monroe, you're sort of silently watching this haze of smoke fill your storeroom. <laughs> Getting um, stank hot boxed. <laughs> yeah. It does smell pretty good because it, as it's been discovered, it's highly aromatic. Mm-hmm. So Covering up the, uh, the foul... Yeah, that's more in the in the taste yeah. you're discovering, and, and it doesn't seem to come out in the room note at all. But um, so yeah, so they've the the conversation has lulled to a point in so far as the tobacco is concerned. So maybe you've been waiting for a moment to interject with something, um, since you're you're the least likely to allow a pause, uh, a moment of silence to pass without interruption. Well, no, uh, right now I'll probably be, you know, going through my storeroom and, you know, checking on things, making sure that it's all still in good state. And 
considering asking them not to smoke back here, uh, since it can damage some relics. Damage the tapestries? Yeah. But yeah, uh, that would that would probably be my next next move. So are you are you just working up to it at the moment? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. As at, when they first you know started lighting up, you know, and and smoking it, I I hadn't really thought about it. But then as I you know looked around the storeroom, I'd I'd want to check on some things, make sure some containers are sealed. Most of the stuff I have isn't the kind of thing that would be you know harmed by it. But there are some. Like I'll I'll get around to like some filing cabinets that have paperwork and stuff in it that newspaper clippings and yeah work my way back around and and say gentlemen as much as I hate to uh, you know ruin a good time could we not smoke in in the area where my valuables are stored uh, there are some things in here that could be potentially damaged oh, whole yes gosh. my apologies I'm sorry about that fine very well. I'll start walking out. I'll probably head outside. I'll well, as follow. A... Uh, <laughs> I'll follow Professor Mueller. Okay, but as... I'll, I'll suggest that if if we have no objections, perhaps you know we could retire to my house or to my home or uh, someplace else that is a little less uh, temperamental to environmental changes. Mm. But you know. A thought that I had here is maybe he wasn't telling us to come smoke this tobacco, but uh, we should check some of the surrounding uh, tobacconists and see if if they have any orders that were placed for this. Because it definitely didn't seem like it was uh, something that was going to be popular. Yes, this was a special order from a specific place in England. So that's not not a bad idea. See if this order's been placed elsewhere. Uh, perhaps we should uh, split up again. Um, uh, two go and investigate the tobacco, and two more see about getting us into uh, Harvard to begin chasing down the lead of the young men. It does remind me that uh, Officer, what was his name, the one that was like on to us? It wasn't, was it uh, Wayne Nichols? Wayne Nichols. No, he is... hired, it was... Uh, Logan Terry? Yeah. Logan Terry had mentioned that there had been a couple of disappearances up around that area and suggested that I investigate those instead. Hmm. Disappearances of people? Yes. Uh, I, th- I believe he said that there were two people that had gone missing up in that area that the police have had no luck in uh, resolving their whereabouts. Up around Harvard? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, that's my alma mater, so I should go. I should be one to go there to track down this Porcellian finals club hmm. that was um, that Mr. Dooley tried to chase off from the Corbett house. And have I lectured at Harvard? Uh, no. No. Mm. No, you have to have a probably a world-class skill rating to get into that. Full of dunces. Right. <laughs> have I lectured at Harvard? Probably. Probably. <laughs> only, to, uh, only because you were trying to uh, you were meeting Selling a lady booze. there, and you were trying to get out of it, so you posed as a professor for a short time. <laughs> Figure I was selling booze on campus. Oh yeah, and that would probably almost got happen. caught. All right, so as you guys begin to leave the storeroom, uh, Monroe leading the way, you you almost run into one of your workers. You want to? Do you hire a male or or female help? Um. I, I suppose it wouldn't really have 
mattered as long as they had a little bit of showmanship to them. Okay, so we'll we'll go with the first name then. So Annette Barnes in the old random generator is your help. And she's like, oh, excuse me, Mr. Monroe, but there's somebody here looking for you. Or Mr. Whitmire, I think he said, mm-hmm. asking about the, the Peruvian display. Uh, did he by any chance give his name? Uh, no. No, he didn't. He's really big. I can't quite place the accent, though. Big. Hmm. Um, show me Does to it. Ring any bells? As long as it's not Mendoza. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, Johan would have Last a... thing we need right now. But yeah, I'll, I'll be led away. Um, I guess I would have you know, suggested that you know, James and I team up if Johan and Dr. Anders were both going to Harvard. I don't know. Like, uh, if I had an N, I'd probably go that way, but... Uh, well, he is your N. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But also, like, uh, uh, I'm a... Well, Johan's an experienced pipe smoker as well, so I don't know. I could go either way. Well, oh, yeah, that's true. He does know the most about tobacco. Before we leave the back room, yeah, if you guys want to... If we want to decide who's going where, um, I could go you, either. Yeah, I could really do either one also. Yeah. Well, why don't I could try my history at Harvard because that is my highest skill. I don't know if it would be enough. Where Where am I most likely going to have to slip into some place and steal stuff? Well, <laughs> slipping in, like be getting around, might be really good at Harvard as well, yeah. right? Because you're going to have. I think Whitmire could help me the most at Harvard because we might need to get records persuasive with these yeah. boys if we find who they are. Okay. And not that I would ever suggest the Whitmire would do anything illegal, but we might need to search. I think we're well past the point where we suggest it. We can just outright say he's the person that does the illegal <laughs> stuff for us. Gets his hands dirty. And yeah. to remind you, Dr. Andrews, you also are expecting that Van Barnett at U, U of M yeah. might have something on the, the fiber you guys yeah, so let's go to see him first, and then we'll head up towards Harvard. Hmm. Okay. okay. So we can take my car. Do you want me to come uh, meet you, meet this person with you? Yeah. Monroe? Uh, but, uh, Dr. Andrews, before you go, I would like to discuss uh, some things with you. Hmm. Just a real quick. Um, do you know what uh, trepanning is? Yes. I would like you to perform that on me. Oh. <laughs> what is the... Is that held in high regard at this time? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think it's had like a um, a sort of up and down reputation throughout the ages because it's a pretty old procedure. Mm. But I would expect that it is held in high regard at this time. So we will go with that. You, you see, during my fugue that the Lisping Man put me into, I gleaned several bits of information that turned out to be correct later. And um, during the fugue... It was, I was believed myself to be um, um, in an in asylum, and they were going to perform the procedure on me, which I found rather odd. I believe that lobotomy would be more, mm-hmm. more what they would want to do. So perhaps there was something there is what I'm, get, I'm grasping at. So you could make a, a medicine roll if you'd like. Okay. I would. I would figure that it would be perhaps where the third eye should be. Perhaps it would. 
<laughs> nice. Then I then you'll be able to see all the mythos creatures that are floating around you right now. Uh, so in your experience, um, he's kind of alluding to maybe an ancient understanding of it where it was thought to release bad spirits and, and what right. have you. But we'll say a good way to look at it is mostly for the treatment of pain, of pain or you yeah, know, pressures. Too and, much pressure on yeah. the brain, yeah. And uh, without significant cause, leaving a permanent hole in somebody's head isn't advisable. So yeah. that would be your understanding of it. Yeah, but could I say that uh, what he just described to me sort of sounds like pressure on his uh, cranial pressures causing hallucinations. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, because you, you would definitely have heard of cases of, you know, different effects on the brain causing, you know, auditory hallucinations or which you're probably starting to experience a little bit being sleep deprived. You're hearing mm-hmm. like random sounds and whatnot. But yeah, uh, yeah, you uh, could see it is it is. Uh, could uh, an occult role um, help me pinpoint a good location for either opening the third eye or or uh, or whatever to uh, potential otherworldly phenomena or mystical like, like chakra perhaps even mm-hmm. i think you without the role you actually probably stumbled up upon it mm, okay where you were so yeah i'll point like, to okay yeah so like i'd point to the third eye on, on the forehead but there are also a couple of other areas that <laughs> <laughs> uh, so well I'm certainly be willing to discuss it with you. Wunderbar. So while they're talking about that, which uh, Whitmire and Monroe are going to go meet your guest. Yeah. Okay. So when you go out, you have three rooms here. Uh, one is reserved for an office and the other two are different display rooms, we'll say, for a modest museum, as you have described it. Uh, so one of those is has been dedicated to your Peruvian hall for a little while now, ever since you got back with it. And that is where your guest is looking at the different figurines and artifacts that you have displayed there. You know, he's current, we'll say he's currently looking at a, a statuette that you of I think it was Veracucha was the name of the god that you had pulled out and set aside specifically because it had some it was a little odd in ways from the other reliefs you had seen of that, where it was like a fanged version of Veracucha, and he's looking it over. But what's remarkable about this man is he may be one of the biggest men you've ever seen in your life, and you, you think he's somewhere, you know, around six and a half feet tall, and his head is shaved, and he has one of those scalps where the skin is like pulled together a little bit, and it kind of there's like a bunch of wrinkles and whatnot. He has a very ridged uh, eyebrow area, okay. um, but he's looking at that. Uh, make a psychology roll for me. Uh, Whitmire, you can do the same thing if you're there. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah, get a check mark. Ooh. Nice. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, he's sucking it all up. <laughs> we got to put him down. I don't understand him against anything and let him... Uh... But he's too smart for that. <laughs> we got to throw in like a gold watch first. <laughs> so you can both pick up that he's making a show at looking at these things. Uh, he's really not actually examining in the way that you have seen people interested in the artifacts look at things. Uh, furthermore, there's been a, a space that's kind of cleared around him where he has the opposite of, 
a gravity effect. The sheer size is actually yeah. repulsing more of the polite Which customer makes, base. Makes sense. <laughs> and, and seeing that he's kind of driving off my customers, I'll uh, <laughs> you know come up to him and I'll say, "Hello, my good sir. I understand that you you would like to discuss uh, some of my Peruvian artifacts with me. If you'll follow me to my office, we can discuss the matter there." Just to get him off the floor and. Okay, so when he speaks, uh, he has an Italian accent you pick up on. Mm. And it's actually almost absurdly high-pitched, so much so that I'll take a power roll from both of you. Really? (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Well, it's not quite a fumble there, James. I can't help it. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it is. It's funny. It's it's like humorous and... uh, Laughter or shows like that are involuntary. So, despite yourself, you uh, you snicker softly. Oh no, it's a full on belly laugh, f- man. <laughs> yeah, and those ridged eyebrows on this big Italian guy, uh, we'll call him Meathead. <sighs> he uh, they kind of draw down with an unfriendly look towards you. So, meanwhile, Monroe and or sorry, Whitmire. <coughs> never mind, wrong names. Erase all that. Andrews and, Andrews and Mueller are walking out discussing this trepanning. And you've got out the front of the New England Museum of the Occult. And there are a couple men standing there by the door. And one steps out of your way and he, he offers an apology in French. But go ahead and give me a spot hidden as you pass. Just real quick, I forgot to write down the name of the my hire. Your what? My assistant. Oh, uh, Annette Barnes, I think I said. Annette Barnes. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, I'll be uh, gesturing like a uh, hammer and chisel. <laughs> yeah, except not directed immediately <laughs> right, at yeah. my forehead. But yeah, you know, like, I think I'll be like, do they still do it in the... Uh... <laughs> Brandon's like, well, no, you got a drill. I got it right here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, I didn't see your spot, Dr. Andrews. Oh, what is it? Not... There we go. Nice. So... um. You know, as this guy steps out, out of your way, offers his apology in French for some reason. I can't think of what excuse me is, although I ought to. But any, what is it? Pardon there we go. Yeah, uh, he. Um, you see his jacket fluff open and you see a, a gun in there, mm. which Andrews knows. It's illegal. Right, unless he, he has some sort of special consideration. Yeah. Hmm, I and wish this... I knew that before. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's the... There's two guys. Giant dude? Or? No, no, no. You guys are outside. You're on. You're at the front, just stepping out into the street. Oh, okay. We're being ambushed. Streets so two Boston. people are approaching us, and one has a gun. Yeah, it's like they were posted up out there, but he was a little too close to the door when you walked out, so he had to move out of your way. Okay. And the other one's kind of leaning up against the wall, smoking a cigarette. Do I, And I don't recognize either of them? No. No, they have... It's very difficult to describe, but I'm sure you're all familiar with the sense you have a sense of him not being an American. Mm-hmm. Not only because he spoke French, but because there are, there are certain characteristics in the face and stuff where uh, you're like, well, this doesn't look like your average Bostonian right? for both of them. But that's something you note as you pass mm-hmm. and you continue on listening to Mr. Mueller. What would you, how would you like to play that? Well, I mean, just based off of my thinking that, <clears throat> It's likely not an American, then he probably doesn't have any. It's not legal for him to have that. And the fact that they're posted up outside like that, that makes me a little bit concerned. So I'll, um, I'll like, 
you know, pat my jacket or whatever. I'd be like, ah, Herr Mueller, my apologies, but I've forgotten something inside. Is this like an innuendo or are you just going to go back inside? Yeah, like I'll say it loud enough that they would be able to hear it. Mm. Yeah, if you want to get, if you want to see, you know, what he, what he's truly getting at, you can do so with a successful psychology role. Mm. But you, you know, it's possible you're too thinking. Oh, yeah. You, you know, you, you have this idea in your head that's possessing you, so you can't see any sort of finer things. Yeah, so I'll, uh, oh, yes, of course, uh, Herr Doctor. Uh, I'll, 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 uh, I'll be back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll go back inside. My smoke is too good. I don't want to <laughs> give it up. Right. It is very rare that the, the ember mm-hmm. just, just right. So you head back inside. So back to Mr. Monroe, you had asked him if you if he'd like to go speak in the office. Yeah. But he says in his absurdly high-pitched Italian accented voice, no, I want to look at the Peruvian artifacts. And he pulls a flyer out from his jacket and he says, I've heard much about them. Uh, <laughs> it, one particular item, uh, um, a mirror or a mask of some kind. Show me the mask. Uh. <laughs> I'm afraid a mask was never a part of my exhibit. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you've been misinformed. I don't think so. My source was pretty sure that it would be here or with Mr. Whitmire. Is that you, I I presume? And he turns and looks at you, Mr. Whitmire. Um, what would it be to imitate his voice? <laughs> 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 oh, man. <laughs> Uh, I'm feeling a well, little you, uh, dangerous if, if you want to uh, just try to, can you do an Italian accent? Yeah, well, that's that's basically <laughs> what I want to try. Well, is, a bad uh, Italian accent. Yeah, right. bad, bad, bad Italian, Italian and uh, a high pitch. Just go for it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, just go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, what are you uh, going to say? So, hold on just a second. <laughs> I just pictured Jay Leno when this guy's talking. <laughs> I'm hearing like uh, Mike Tyson. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Now, kid. <laughs> All right. So I'll uh, I'll do the yeah high pitch like Italian like uh, I I want I am uh, Mr. Whitmire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look at him really strange. <laughs> and just like, what are big you doing? big uh, yeah. Grin on my face. Gotcha. Big, big grin on your face. Uh, you say that to him, and his face, his whole complexion darkens to a, a murderous shade. And he steps forward and tries to grab your the front of your jacket to lift you up to his height. Uh, do you want to allow that to happen? Um, I'll try to dodge if I can. Yeah. And what would it be for me to uh, kind of step between them and apologize? <laughs> I don't think you can, though, right? for him. Can't push combat rolls? Is that the dang thing? No, you can only use luck. Wow. Uh, the reason you can't push them is because it proceeds in rounds, and you'll have mm-hmm. another opportunity to do whatever it is you're trying to do. Uh, so let's... So, yeah, he's able to grab your the front of your jacket and lift you up to where you're staring eye to eye to him now. Unfortunately, that's happened, Oh, Mr. calm Monroe. down there, big fella. <laughs> <laughs> but now... <laughs> it's-a me, a Mario. <laughs> and then I'll just start laughing again. 
<laughs> but now you may act. <laughs> All right. So I, you know, I'll, you know, put a hand on the gentleman's back and I'll say, I apologize for Mr. Whitmire's uh, apparent lack of decorum, but if you are going to thrash him, could you please step outside and away from the artifacts? I don't want to see any of them get damaged. I'm not leaving until I learn where the mirror is at. I know it's with one of you. It's it's no. probably back in Peru, you gorilla. Get back over there and find it. And I'll, I'll say to him, if you want to have a discussion about this, then you're you're going to have to put Mr. Whitmire down because I'm not continuing to speak to you about this until we are both... <laughs> Away from the artifacts that exist now. All right. Well, let's get one of your social things. But unfortunately, in this circumstance, you can't use persuade. It's too fast okay. to do it. So you'd have to. It sounds to me like you're relying on. Um, I don't know because that's not really charming. But nor was it intimidating. It could be a fast talk. Yeah, I'm definitely not the one for that. Um, I can. Uh, I can try that if you want. Well, it's Mr. Monroe. Could I use a psychology? Action, no, no. Psychology is a sense. You sense he's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Which is obvious. <laughs> and with good on. reason. <laughs> um, I can do a fast talk roll, uh, but if there's anything else. <laughs> well, you can do charm if you want to change up your, your approach. I, can, just go, I was just going based off what you actually said. Yeah, I'll, I'll give charm a, a chance. Okay, so. Holy crap. Hey, there good job. Hmm. All right, so uh, out of fifth versus fifteen, that's uh, let's refilter what you said to him through the the context so, of being more charming. Yeah, so I'll uh, kind of say, my good sir, is you know, a, a man of your stature and and size could easily do anything that you need you want to to us, uh, but I am you know begging on your your uh, better nature as a human being to uh, work with us rather than. Just strictly thrashes. I mean, I can see that you're you're a good man, um, and, <laughs> yeah, the, and and you you didn't come here for a fight, as I, I can tell. You just came here for some information, and you know, an intelligent man such as yourself could obvious could know that you know if you hurt us, then you may not get that information. And you know, you being a smart man, I, I, I'm sure that you don't want to <laughs> cause any any problems that don't need to be happening. So he sets. Uh... Whitmire down as a result of your charm, but he, he has still one fist gripping uh, your lapel there. For your part, Mr. Whitmire, as you're watching Monroe talk to him in your line of work, you've met a lot of men like this. A lot of criminals have a strange sort of propensity for for like faith, like Christianity, Protestant or Catholic, and but they it's perfunctory at best. They kind of use it as a tripwire where they're like, well, I made it known that I wouldn't do this thing if they didn't do this thing, but they did the thing, so I can now do the thing. Meaning he's just waiting for any further slip-up to get back to where he was, but uh, Monroe managed to talk him down a little bit. So at that point, Dr. Andrews comes around the corner to the second room, and so you get there right at the stage as you see this huge Italian man put Mr. Whitmire back on his feet. And Monroe is uh, applying his charms on him. And so I'm going to be stepping between him as I as I do this charm talk and kind of smoothing out his jacket and you know you know getting him out of out of Arms an aggressive away. state. But yeah, uh, I'll be yeah like walk like with the big guy. I'll be you know like 
straightening up his jacket and say, we don't, I, I apologize for ruffling your clothes and, you know, straightening him out. Is there an action you would like to take from your vantage point? Doesn't seem like anybody's aware of you. Actually, give me a spot hidden again when you look around that room. Nice. nice. With, that, with that hard success, you see there's other people there, although they're starting to clear out as soon as he had lifted Whitmire off his feet. But there's one gentleman standing somewhere towards the back who seems to be paying special attention to what's happening amongst those three. He's watching it very closely. What does he look like? Uh, he's look has that same sort of look. You think he'd be another Frenchman? Somehow you're able to put that together by characteristics. The big I thought guy you were going to say. Under his arm. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he looks like Finn McCracken. <laughs> okay, so I'll um, I'll sort of like pretend I'm a I'm just browsing, but make my way over towards that person. Okay. Um, do I see anything? In the on the my path that could be used as a a weapon. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> quite a few gold uh, figurines or statuettes that would make a good impromptu club, at least for a few hits. This All is right. where Monroe stops you. <laughs> yeah. No, this must not occur here. Not that one. So out. Use the forgery. <laughs> yeah. So out in the uh, on the street, as you're smoking your pipe. One of those gentlemen in a French accent speaks English to you, and he asks if you work here at this museum. Hmm? <laughs> no, I, I would not work. At, I lost my accent. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I would never work at such a uh, establishment of ill repute. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you should clear on, old timer. Oh, but I have to uh, wait for... My, my companions to come out. Uh, I am Johann Müller. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. You want to try your charm there? So, yeah, that's like your old man thing going on. See how he responds to it. Uh, charm. It's close. Luck or push it. Uh, oh, man. Like he'd get violent or something. It's only six. Let's push luck. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is that good with you, Chaz? Um, yeah, I'm just trying to. So you're not your normal self, right? Yeah. So something, something of your true inner Johann Mueller might come out and be threatening towards oh, this man. Got a like kind of like a smile that I think is warm and welcoming, right, yeah. but it's more vicious. Yeah, yeah, it looks predatory or something like that. All right, here we go. Oh, nice! Dude, Always push it. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> Johann Mueller, uh, professor of history. Oh, okay. So yeah. Uh, so what he he takes your he shakes your hand and uh, he says his name is. I'm sorry, Jean. How? Why did I have to go to my? By the time where your guys are done, he'll be working for you, Mister Mueller. <laughs> so what the position you got him in there with is basically he's going to listen to whatever you say from this point on, as you might dote on an old an old person, right? Mm. You, like you're you're possibility of even being a threat is totally distinguished and now you're just kind of a nuisance of the job but he's going to humor it so he doesn't make a show and you're just sitting there you know talking um, to them yeah i'll uh i don't know if i've ever been to france what do you say um it, well uh, it's not difficult for a european to be to I'll a say most european in, like in my younger day maybe i went and studied not studied art but 
yeah. attempted to study some art. It's all like, ah, um, France is a most wonderful place. I, I was there one time in the spring, and I'll just... <laughs> Give me a luck roll. Okay. Uh, no. Yeah, Push so it just you. happens that I, I imagine since you spent some time in Africa that you passed through France, and that would be where most of your experiences were. Hmm. Or you spent a, like a, a small holiday there, like you're saying, on your way to elsewhere. It just, I was looking if you caught onto something he would know about, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it might get a little, little bit friendlier. But this doesn't change anything. He's just willing to listen to your story about a part of France that he doesn't know too well. As oh. he just mentions that he hasn't gotten that very far outside of Paris mm. or spent- other port cities. Many a hedonistic night in the rain. <laughs> oh, we got to close the scene there. Go over to somebody else. Joking, joking. <laughs> All right, Whitmire. So he sets you down, and you can see that Mr. Monroe has calmed him now. But like I said, you know, this guy has trip wires up, and he's just waiting. He what he wants to do is headbutt you or punch your teeth out or something like that. But he's restraining himself. Only a little bit. All right. So um, I'll, I'll attempt the fast talk to com- to finish diffusing the situation. Um, you know, mainly like, uh, yeah, I've, I've traveled uh, around the world a bit. And I can tell you that uh, America is not one, uh, isn't uh, the country to come into and start roughing people around. Right. And uh, uh, being... The city that it is, I'm sure we can hear some police sirens somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll point out that one of those fine ladies and gentlemen that probably stepped out this door has already run, ran to the police. So that that's the idea behind this one. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Shoot it out there. <laughs> uh, made it. <laughs> By one. Nice. No. Always the best. Yeah, so you see that your attempts have put a thought into his head and a shadow of alarm passes over his face. So you kind of have him on his back hill a little bit, but he maintains that he knows you have the mask. Does a Mr. Larkin mean anything to the two of you? Because that's who told me you have the mask. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who that was. He was uh, the guy that, the drug addict guy that hired us or hired us that was going oh. to be the expedition yeah okay he's the one but that yeah. we left back in in the place huh mm-hmm. yeah I'll, I'll bring that up <laughs> is that mr larkin was only a part of our expedition at the very beginning and you know while he was there when we first all gathered he wasn't there when we found any of the artifacts that i brought back i want to uh i want to tell him that i sold it to francis sweetwater <laughs> okay, mm. that's that's a good ploy. But let me check in with Dr. Andrews. So I've okay. allowed you to move partially across this room without needing any further skill rolls to get closer to this guy. Do you want to hang where you are? We'll say you're about 15 feet away from where he is. But if you want to keep moving over that way, then I would allow a stealth roll. Or if you can think of another skill that might fit into it. Um, Surgery. <laughs> <laughs> we need you there. He's like, <laughs> clear the trepanning area. <laughs> no, uh, I'll call that good. I'll pretend like I'm supremely interested in some. Yeah, and you're po- you're per- you're posted by a statuette you could grab and start swinging real quick. So okay. we'll keep that in mind. Yeah, stay there. 
does uh, see him. Monroe get a psychology role <laughs> to <laughs> to 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 notice what the to, intent that to it. notice that Andrews is going to use one of my precious artifacts as a club? <laughs> um, no, I'll actually allow that Andrews in a, is in eye, eye contact with you guys, so he's got behind the big guy, and so you see him. Monroe's there, slightly shaking his head, and you saw him size up the statue head. <laughs> And yeah, I'm getting more and more desperate just to move everything out of my museum. <laughs> okay, with my before we get around to what you might do about that thought, let's have uh, Monroe do something, and then we'll come back around to you if you if he wants. Uh, do I have a little bit more time for a persuade check now? Uh, no, because at minimum you need thirty minutes okay. to get a, get off of persuade. All right, so I'll, I'll be saying. As far as the, the artifacts that came back from Peru that are here, they are all on display. If there's anything else you wish, then they they would be at another location. If you would like to continue this conversation, we can do it outside. Maybe we take a look at your storeroom. Let's see. Oh, you can walk through my storeroom. That's fine. But all of the artifacts are out of this that came from Peru are out here on the floor. They're my biggest draw. And there's no reason for me to hide another artifact in the back room. All the same. Okay. Then follow me, but you're going to have to let my friend down. Well, uh, he did. He just has his... Yeah. So he, you're gonna he, have he'll to, release yeah, it. Yeah, you're going to have to let go. Okay. Um, so we'll just check in with Professor Mueller. Do you want to keep things in the stasis, or do you want to try to try yeah. for something something else? Like, um, I might know some things up because you had me do those roles, yeah. but uh, for the most part, I mean, Johan's got this on lock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you know they're they're listening. I mean, you you are a speaker, you are a lecturer, so you do actually say interesting things once you get into a topic. So. I think I'll start going because it's on my mind. I'll start going into trepanning. Okay, and uh, maybe the history of it. Yeah, maybe. do the occult role. We'll see how how well you do with your nice nice. Yeah, so I mean, people that have even an inkling of interest in that topic, <laughs> or even not, would be. Uh, um, their attention is grasped by what you're saying. So these two guys, the other the other dude stubs out his cigarette and and they're just sort of listening to you. <laughs> uh, while I'm talking, I'll fish in my pocket for a lighter and see if he wants to light up another smoke. Oh, know. yeah, he does. Yeah, I'll okay. light his cigarette for him. All right. So Whitmire has had this thought about uh if if Mr. Monroe has uh has convinced him to let me go at this point and wants to show him through the back room. And I will, I'll keep that one in my back pocket for okay. if things go wrong. So, yeah, they're uh, moving rooms, Dr. Andrews. Okay, so I'll uh, keep an eye on what this other one is going to do. Yeah, once they get out of this area, he moves to the entry between the two viewing rooms. Mm-hmm. And he kind of posts up there where he has a shot at the uh, the storeroom door. Okay. Which these guys head into. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll I'll just stay where I am so I don't draw his attention, or I'll just continue to wander, but I want to keep a straight line between him and I in case, and then I'll just like, keep my ears pricked for any sounds of struggle taking place in the storeroom. Okay. All right, so in the storeroom, he, he looks around at the packaged up, items that you have there there's really nothing like obvious uh sticking out every because i assume that you keep things pretty orderly yeah if you've ever seen like uh like one of those 
you know, back room at the museum type movies yeah. or whatever, you know, things are laid out on the shelf, they're tagged they're with their location where I found them, all that kind of stuff. And, and so, yeah, most of the stuff is just kind of laid out on shelves, at least anything bigger than, you know, like a little, little tiny token or a piece of paper or something like that. So he, you know, he kind of lifts up a tag to see what it is. And he's like, I, I need something. I can't not go back to the boss without anything. I'll say, I think I know exactly what you need, and I'll I'll find one of those frog statues. <laughs> I don't need. <laughs> I need to know where the mirror is. Oh, as as far as the mirror, everything that I had that came with me is here. Um, there were some things that I believe were detained and didn't make it through customs. So I need a name. He said, Mister Larkin said, Father told him one of you two has it. Okay, so at that, yeah, now I'll, I'll uh, tell him as uh, you know, I, I did have it, but I sold it to a guy named Francis Walsh. Okay, so uh, you know collector. that that um, if you go the fast talk route, eventually that's going to unravel, and that'd be a temporary solution. Is that what you want to do? Well, I'm usually just looking at to get out of whatever situation <laughs> I'm currently in. Uh, yeah, he's the type of guy that builds a bridge out of ice. Yep. Yeah. Prays that he's out of town by summer. <laughs> okay. Let's see it. Nice. So yeah, his eyes uh get that focused look once you drop the name and and uh he wants a few details. W- where can he find them? When did you sell it to him? That sort of stuff and you're you're adept at rattling those things out and after about a 5 minute well, we'll say less than that. We'll say like two-minute discussion. He seems satisfied with what you've given him. And he uh, pats your jacket and offers his apologies. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the same. Not pat his jacket, but uh, apologize. Uh, yeah. Sorry if I'd known that you guys were going to come looking for it. Maybe I would have held on to it a little bit longer. But things scared the, the uh, heck out of me. So I wanted to get rid of it as quick as I could. Uh, so he looks at you, Mr. Monroe, and he says, nice place. Nice place. Thank you. And I, Magnifique. I'm assuming that you're uh, Pishtaku. Oh, what? Pishtaku. Yeah, fish tacos. Come on. Well, we know all about you guys. I don't know what you're talking about. The other members of, of uh, Mr. Larkin's group were part of a group called Pishtaku. And I'm whether you are or aren't, I suggest that you be a little bit cautious while being in Boston because there's another group by the name of the consortium that may take offense umbrage at uh at your organization coming here well thank you for the tip but he looks perplexed at these new terms you've introduced to him and, but i'll i'll give him the frog statue and i'll say take this with you and if you run across any of these consortium members be wary of them they are uh just as powerful as mr larkin but that thing will protect you if you do come across them. <laughs> All right. Well, there's yeah. a there's a certain amount of psychology where people <laughs> take things that are handed to him. So he holds it in his hand for now, and uh, he leaves without a proper farewell, or you know, heads out of the storeroom. Uh, signals to that guy you've been keeping an eye on, Doctor Andrews, and they head out the door. Where just a moment before there was a group of people that came out the ones that were scared by what had happened. And this kind of alerted those two, and they started to head in. But then you see this huge Italian guy come out the door, and he's like, uh, he says, let's go. It's not here. 
But give me a group luck roll, whoever's the lowest luck. I've got a 41. I don't think that's me anymore. 45. 62. All right, 55. that's on you, Whitmire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a critical. <laughs> what is that? Is that a, that's or, the end of our luck for, for the game session. So yes. you get to make Sorry, a, everybody. A, you get to make an immediate uh, pow increase roll. So you're doing like a skill check. Try so you want to fail, fail your power roll. Oh. Oh. Uh, too bad. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he takes, you, you see him examine that toad statuette that he walks out with. And he's like, he nods at it and puts it in his jacket. Mm. And then he signals to the other two men. And one was behind him. And, and uh, they start to head off. Okay. Yeah. I'll, uh, uh, or Vitason, uh, Jean. Yeah. And they, those two actually give you a, a friendly enough goodbye mm. for Bruno's, anyway. But uh, back in the storeroom, Mr. Monroe and Whitmire, do you breathe a sigh of relief? What's happening? I suppose, Dr. Andrews, you could. Yeah, once Come that check guy on gets him. out of the way, I'll go check on him. Yeah, so um, um, I'll be uh, chuckling to myself over that guy's. Um, and I'll, voice. I'll turn on Whit- Whitmire and say, "And what do you think he's going to do when he finds out that that Francis Walsh does not have the mask? Maybe I give the mask to the consortium and let them sort it out. I wouldn't trust anyone with that mask. Well, so, um, I could tell you that it's it's in a spot that no one would ever find it without me, and I really don't feel like giving it up right now. You're playing a very dangerous game with some very dangerous people. <laughs> what Even do you think we've been the doing this you... entire time? Yeah, so I'll go in the storeroom and say, are you guys okay? There's someone with a gun out there. Uh, I think he was with these guys that you were talking to. Yes, more Pishtaku. Yeah, they're looking for some of the artifacts from Peru. And apparently not these ones. So you don't have what they were looking for? No, unfortunately not. Uh, John, let's we got to resolve your critical success there because you get a little something extra than normal. So the statuette has one effect where if you fail a power roll while it's in your possession or you sleep around it, um, it gives you odd cravings. Oh, that explains that. So I'm going to let you choose... <laughs> Which of the cravings he gets, I'll list them off for you here. Just so you can know what's troubling this man. <laughs> if he never enters the scene again. So we have large amounts of one edible food. So it, uh, they would just never seem to be satiated. They would just continually eat whatever that particular food is. Uh, an inedible substance or inedible objects. Raw meat. Human flesh. Human hair. No. Or bodily fluids. And how many of those does Johan have? <laughs> he just have has one. the one. Which one uh, of those do you favor for this I, guy? I really like the idea of the human flesh, actually. <laughs> it's going to get so much trouble doing this. Meathead, the mad Italian. I was going to suggest... Cannibal. Uh, I yeah, he, the... he's a uh, early, what, 1920s uh, cannibal. Okay. Uh, I was going to suggest... Uh, was it like consuming corpse meat, uh, <laughs> but living flesh works fine too. Well, uh, I <laughs> guess it could options. be any type of, of flesh. Yeah. Oh. Either way, right. it's going to mess him up. Sorry about that interruption back in the storeroom, guys. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm saying to Dr. Anders, well, there's not much else for it right now. We didn't have what he wanted and he's off to try and find someone that might. So okay. I suppose we should just continue on with our investigation and keep in mind that that organization from Peru 
is now here in Boston as well. Yep. And I, I think we should change locations for messages since they... <laughs> this place uh, is going to be an inferno soon. Yeah. Yes, perhaps, uh, perhaps we could use the order. I think that'd be a good idea. Okay, so resolving that, um, I have already forgotten how you guys were splitting up and who was going where. Uh, Andrews and Whitmire are going to the college, and it looks like me Colleges, and, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, Whitmire, and then Monroe and me are searching for uh, the tobacco. Uh, yeah. Like, was it origin and ingredients? To see if anybody else had placed it. Oh, yeah. that's right, yeah. Um, but I am curious about the ingredients as well. And I'm also going to suggest that... Uh, Perhaps we should check on some of the other ley line locations in the city. Mm. Was that was like, are we actually talking to each other? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do you want to stay posted up there after all of that? Oh, yeah. Or would that make you suspicious enough to maybe come back and see if everything's okay? No, I think the frog statue has Johan looking after them as they leave and is now still looking the direction okay. they left, kind of puffing on his pipe and his eyes are kind of unfocused, kind of thinking... Well, what but we yeah. can say then is that they yeah, we resolve probably... their conversation when Whitmire says we we should probably split and you head out front where you join up with Mr. Mueller. So there you go. Now it can continue. Okay. No. So what are the ley lines? Oh, yes, I agree. That's uh, the ley lines should definitely be investigated. Well, um, yeah, one, of, one of the things that the consortium member had, had mentioned that has me, you know, curious is we found Orin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the desiccated corpse hidden at one location with mm-hmm. a frog statue. Corbett was at another location of power, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm well, wondering uh, if some of the other members are also hidden at ley line locations. What's a good idea? Well, Yo, you may not remember it, Johan, but as part of the description of entering the, prop, the Corbett property, you had that tingling mm-hmm. like you were on the verge of a headache, mm-hmm. which... You now know Oren has kind of alluded to that you can kind of feel when you're on a ley line on this on these convergences because that's also what happened when you were at the Church of Contemplation. Yeah. So conceivably, it seems like a person could just walk around an area if they knew what they were looking for. Uh, perhaps we could uh, procure some a map first of all. Yes. Perhaps some dowsing. Uh, what is it? The one with the gem over the map. Perhaps we'd be drawn to. Uh, places of power that could work uh perhaps there's even somebody that would uh has already mapped them out mm, perhaps uh there would be one person that i would recommend but i do not believe i should go there to procure their services okay well i'm what was the name of the uh lamar Orion's yeah lamar spiritual kids um a young man uh, yeah, soft-spoken young man. Uh, soft-spoken young man, uh, Lamar, at uh, Orion's, and I'll... Uh, yeah. Perhaps while we're out, you know, reaching out to various tobacconist shops to see if they've had any orders for this uh, Dream Castle tobacco, uh, we can swing by and I can mm. have a small talk with the young man. Agreed. Whitmire and Andrews, is there any further discussion you two wanted to have before we split ways? Um, um, not me. No. Tell, uh, Boston University first and then Harvard. No. Yeah. I was just going to, um, ask Andrews, which, uh, which one we wanted to go to first. Yeah. So it looks like Boston University. Yeah. All right. So we will stick with Dr. Andrews and Mr. Whitmire. 
to begin as they head off to University of Massachusetts, which is a smaller, less prestigious college. doesn't have what Harvard has. But nonetheless, there are people who do good work here. And one of them is Van Barnett, a doctor of medicine, but he does not practice. He teaches, and he has been examining a fiber that you gave to him for the last day or so. So you head in to meet with him, and there you find him grading papers as classes have let out for the day, and he looks up upon your arrival. Ah, Dr. Andrews, how are you doing today? Doing well, Van. Just came by to see what you had learned about that odd insect fiber. Yes, very fascinating, but unfortunately I've not been able to determine conclusively what it is. I suspect it's a composite of many materials. However, I have done a few things. Uh, with the Archimedia principle, I've determined that it's denser than iron or steel. Uh, it's not ferromagnetic, and at the risk of destroying it, knowing that hair fibers have the same combustion point as paper, I exposed it to heat in excess of 800 degrees, and it withstood that heat. So whatever this creature belonged to, it's able to withstand hostile environments. I wish I could know more about where you found it or how it might have arrived there once you found it. Does that help you in any way? Well, it tells us that it's it's quite frightening if we ever encounter whatever it actually came from. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it I don't know what it tells us. Now, this was supposed to be like uh essentially an insect leg. Uh, uh, this the is like hair. a little hair that Oh, this is just hair. the hair. Jeez. Called a seta singular setai plural, I believe. Mm -hmm. Is the technical term for it. Well, how would Charlie have gotten one of these? Well, and we found, and found it another was one in at his the house. Dooley house. Maybe they're still maybe they're still uh in contact with him. I can say with some confidence that I believe it to be natural in origin for well, maybe supernatural is more appropriate. Uh, given its durability, but if this were crafted by somebody, I would expect it to look different under the microscope. As you saw, it carried the same incongruencies we expect of nature. You know, as they say, God does not work in straight lines. Mm -hmm. But I was able to get a cross section of it, and I, I definitely think it is a hair, because it has much of the same makeup of, of hair. Hmm. But and sorry, I couldn't be more helped. Were you able to to cut it at all? As you said that it, it had the same density as what, steel. Yes, yes. With a scalpel, I was still able to to sever one end of it off. And uh, where is it now? Uh, he has it in the jar with you, where you see like just a, a bit off the end is lying separately from it. What other substances did you um, did you use on it? Did you test any other? Like, did you test water or? Yeah, that was via, that was the Archimedia principle to determine its density. Mm -hmm. um, I can only make guesses, maybe silicone as a base, but composited with something else just by its durability against heat mm -hmm. has me think in that direction. But as I said, I suspect it's a, it's a composite, but that makes it difficult to know which individual elements are in there as a, uh, a uh, spectro spectrometer, <laughs> yeah, uh, is not 
uh, quite available to the degree that we need to determine to isolate its individual components. I think we'll have to wait 20, 30 years for it to get there. Okay. This is the best I can do with the tools um, I have at my disposal. If you guys find any more that you suspect belongs to whatever this hair belonged to, I'd be happy to look at it. Or if you have other questions. Did you subject it to radiation? Uh, to radioactive? No, I did not. Oh. What about I don't, cold? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure I know what that is yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, sorry. <laughs> what? Um, they I think you'll need to wait about 20 X-rays? years or so. Wouldn't have been quite like radiation, radiation, but... Oh, I guess... I think this is probably during the time where they're still, like, using radium paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I think because it glows and I think they don't understand why people are getting sick. <laughs> Lick the brush. <laughs> Paint yeah. Yeah, isn't x-ray around right now? Like a very early form of it? Well, they would have the term radiation because it describes sort of a process for things. But the, ter- the term itself was discovered in 1896 and it just had to do, uh, what is it, on an overcast day. Well, never mind. Let's, mm. not, get, let's not get distracted. We'll just say it's not to a sufficient degree because I think we all know in the 50s they're, they're talking about uh, will uh, irradiate your vegetables so you have the super large yield. <laughs> <laughs> think of all the people you can feed. So we're, they don't have a, a good grasp on it yet. And he didn't see the need to do that if it, it was even enter his head. Hmm. Well, I also appreciate ha- everything that you've uh, been able to tell us about it. And if I've we come in contact with any more of this creature, I'd be happy to give you more. Yes, uh, I'm afraid the scientific method, while it is exact, sometimes the results lead more lead to more questions. Uh, you also yeah. had that drawing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask if he could... I'll show him that drawing and ask him if anybody from the mathematics department could tell us what it is. Uh, yeah, let me see. I know just the fellow. Follow me. He leads you out of his classroom across the hall, or it's actually in a separate part of the building, where he introduces you to Terrence Parker, who is a specialist in those matters, and he asks if he has a moment to look at something, which indicates that he does. So he's looking at you curiously, Dr. Andrews. Yeah, so I'll introduce myself and then uh, show him that drawing and ask him if he can explain what it is, what what this is... um what this means. Ah, yes. This is a gravitational singularity, I would think, although there are many different ways to draw diagrams of it. This, you see, is from the Einstein's recently released theory, or general theory of relativity. So what you have here is a depiction of space-time being drawn together by a singularity. So you see, at a singularity, space and time cease to exist, and the laws of physics, as we know them, may not apply. Uh, Whoever Now, generally, when they draw it, there aren't points on it, so whoever drew this might have been indicating different locations in space-time. So they could either be separated by distance or time or both. I don't really know. It's not that detailed in this diagram. But because a singularity is infinitely dense, and it has infinite gravity, at least according to these cutting-edge theories, uh, space-time is warped as it approaches. So it looks like whoever drew this drew these points close together where they were once separated by either much time or much space. 
So both drawings are a depiction of the same thing. It's just this left drawing is where those points all converge. Yes. And where is this uh, Einstein fellow right now? Can we <laughs> meet with him? I believe he's probably, I'm not sure of the time difference here. He may be at home enjoying supper, prepping up in, for a lecture in, in Germany. <laughs> no, no, no. You see, this, uh, th- his, he published this paper in 1912, but, you know, it's only now starting to be taken on at this university and taught regularly. Really quite out there in a lot of ways. I don't, not sure if it'll, if it'll catch on fully. As, so who, who drew this? Um, a 14-year-old bo- uh, touched boy. Hmm. I've heard of such phenomenon. He does have a, a good grasp on physics, it would appear, or at least its theories. Yeah, which makes no sense whatsoever. Good enough for you to give him a scholarship? Well, I don't. <laughs> they come from... Um... <laughs> well, let me ask then, Professor, what, what would a person be trying to convey by, by this drawing? Would they be trying to convey the point at which they all meet just for its own purposes? Or would they be trying to convey something that would happen if this were to take place? Yeah, I think both at the same time. We could say X is a tree on a hill somewhere sometime. Uh, Y could be a beach and the smell of the ocean. And Z could even be a person. And you see in that right diagram, they're all somewhere out there in space and time. And then if a singularity occurs and pulled that all together, then they would be next to each other. Or they could even exist in the same spot. Uh, According to the theories, once you're in that singularity from an outside observer, uh, Einstein hypothesizes, you would just see it that way forever. It would be locked in one location, three disparate events or objects. So is he indicating that that he is stuck in that time? I want to like whisper that over to Andrews. I don't know. I have to admit that I'm out of my depth here. I don't understand why he would even know how to properly represent something that I've never even heard of. He He's, by all accounts, not bad with numbers, helping his uncle in the shop, but gets confused, apparently, by order forms. And I can't imagine a boy who gets confused by simple order forms would be able to represent um, this brand new scientific theory so accurately. Whitmire, I'll remind you that those order forms were confusing to you. Yeah. Because all right, the, so uh, I'll... I'll... Make a comment about that. I, I couldn't make sense of those order forms either, though. Yeah, they were. All, it seemed like they were all mixed up, as I described. Sometimes you'd have, because you'd have different ten sizes of the same uh, type of product, but he'd have them in different locations. Now Charlie gave us this. The he gave this to us, right? You know, yeah. he was drawing it on the back of one of his assessments at the sanitarium. Oh, okay. Yeah, the and uh, Lewis. Oh, the, this is the gravy you. thing, huh? No, the gravy thing was uh, Latakia. This, oh. sorry, this was drawn on the back. Uh, the yeah. the head guy gave it to you. Yeah, saying the doctor. 
these were his assessment papers and he drew this on the back of them. He was curious if it meant anything to you guys. Well, it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, I think we need to go take this to this Einstein fellow. Well, (laughs) I think we need to discuss, I think we might need to discuss this with Charlie again and see if we can manage to get anything out of him about it. I I mean, that drawing on the left kind of looks like those Chinese hats stuck together. So maybe he's referencing Asian culture? Well, maybe. (laughs) That's, uh, yeah, that's about as much sense as this is making to me right now. I, mean, well, I, don't I didn't do feel bad, bad in school, it. but, uh, you know, uh, I have no clue what he's trying to indicate here. Some of these concepts are way out there, and without the foundation, you're kind of leaping into the deep end. So it sounds to me like uh, this young man you're describing is, is gifted in one ways and less so in others, and he just happens to have a firm grasp of physics. Should we start and if a he petition? Was just doodling at the end of his assessment, maybe he finished early and was entertaining himself with physics. Maybe we can get a, a petition list from the most reputable professors in all the schools to stay his uh, execution and let him go to college instead. Yeah, I suppose. Well, I'll just offer my thanks for their assistance. Uh, that's the best I can do. They give each other a science gack high five and... Say goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So on the road to Harvard or or tobacco shop, is that the first place? Or what what are you guys looking into? Are are we even actually going to investigate? Seems like you got Tron off into the ley line matter. So I'm not sure which was first up. Um, Because we know he's from the consortium. Uh, Oh, that's right. Secret missions. No, who's from the consortium? The mysterious buyer with the odd shadow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we know that. Um, Knowing where he is wouldn't be a bad idea either, though. Or at least where they might be coming from. Mm, Okay. We we could uh, go to a tobacconist shop. um, Maybe try and, you know, find one near Harvard. um, Or in between where I need to speak to the young man that might have information about the ley lines. But yeah, we can stop by a tobacconist shop and just see and then continue on. We'll sort of in the, the Cambridge neighborhood is yeah. what you're thinking. Yeah. Perhaps as we walk to the tobacconist, we can keep our, our wits about us and see if we feel any of the telltale signs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it seems as if there is a Harvard chapter that is involved in this, that it, it stands to reason that they might have a uh, a point of interest on the campus as well. Mm. Yes, perhaps. So... Where shall we go first, Herr Monroe? Well, I'm, I'm guessing we're taking public transportation, so uh, the either the bus or something would probably drop us off somewhere, and you know we'll go from there to to wherever the nearest point is. Yeah, yeah, you can catch a subway from where you were in Boston over to the Cambridge neighborhood. Yeah, and then from there take trolleys or whatever else. And where was the where is the location of the young man that you suggested? Orion's uh, would be back. In the neighborhood in which your museum is, it oh, is well, then yeah, let, let's town, stop by there say. first. All right, yeah, and then we'll then we'll hop on. Uh, All right, so somewhere. Orion's spiritual goods, uh, Johan, I believe, has been here once before, maybe, or I, I don't know if or I was heard of it actually there, but I did meet, uh, yeah, 
Lance was that? Lamar. Lamar, there we go. Um, so when you guys go in, his door has a, a jingle above it, like many doors do, but it makes some weird chime. That's mm. not just a bell. And what's this shop called? It's Lamar's... Orion's. Oh, Orion's. Is there any uh, significance to it? To the term Orion? No, the chime itself. Uh, it. You would just say he probably picked it for the it sounds atmosphere. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It has sort of like a, a near eastern uh, ring to it in a way. I'll lean over to Monroe and I'll say, perhaps uh, a huckster, but he was present at the corporate house. Well, many people consider me a huckster and... I've investigated some very serious things, so I'm, perhaps he has some useful information. I'm just saying that uh, we yes. attempted to perform a seance. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, I have no recollection of the seance succeeding in any way, though some of the reports say that I spoke in another voice. Hmm. Take of that what you will. Interesting. Yeah, so the uh, Lamar is there working the counter, and he looks up, and his when he sees you, his face the blood drains from it. I'll give him the smile that I gave the uh, uh, Jean. And he, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you want to throw out another charm there? Okay. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, charm. Have Lamar. Push it. Uh, if you want to. Uh, Push it. <laughs> you can just you can just see that uh, you'll close off this avenue um, by his expression, you know, like, It'll just shut down this as an opportunity if you fail the push roll. I won't. I kind of figured that uh, my coming here was bad to begin with. I believe I warned Monroe. Um, so, um, yeah, I'll just... Uh, so, can I do a psychology check to see, like, the effect? Or is it obvious that when he looked at Johan, he was disturbed? Yeah, it is obvious because his face went, like two or three shades wider okay and uh a look what of kind horror. of a smile did you give this guy <laughs> one that isn't sane um, <laughs> so yeah i'll, I'll uh give johan like a pat on the shoulder and say uh mm-hmm. perhaps i i should uh speak to him alone oh well i was just going to make introductions <laughs> lamar uh Herman Rowe, a colleague of mine, he wishes to discuss some matters. And, of course, I'll pull out a flyer and I'll say, uh, since we're in a similar business, perhaps you know of my, my museum. And I'll, uh, I'll hand him one. Y- yes, I've, I've heard of it, but uh, what are you two doing here? I'm not going to leave my shop anytime soon, just so you know. Oh, no, 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 nothing like that. Uh, oh. Mr. Mueller, perhaps you'd like a, a chance to have a pipe while... Oh. Well, uh, the young man and I speak. Always a good opportunity for a pipe. If ever I have, uh, I've never found a bad time. Well, anyway, of it saying Lamar, then I'll kind of hobble, <laughs> hobble outside. <laughs> okay. Light up my pipe. But yeah, I'll, I'll kind of explain to him. You know, we've we've been looking into several things, and and uh, we've come across some occurrences in our in our endeavors to you know, look into occult matters that seem to coincide with ley lines. And I, I'm sure that you're you're familiar with these kinds of, of conversations and, and concepts. Uh, and, you know, when I spoke to Mr. Mueller about who perhaps may have, you know, any information on ley lines in and around the area of Boston, your name popped up and as one that uh, was a bit of an expert in, 
in matters of the strange and the unusual. So your mention of his, you know, chosen interest does calm him a little bit, though you see that he had reached to his collar and was clutching a cross that was hidden there. <laughs> his faith has been shaken yeah. since uh <laughs> He's, it's a reverse one. I, right? I like I like how Chris kind of gets a, a smile of satisfaction at, at like dis, <laughs> disturbing this young man. Uh, yes, uh, sacred sites or holy lines. Uh, uh, what what is it you wanted to know about them? Uh, just wondering about general locations of of known locations of spiritual power in in and around the Boston area. Perhaps areas where coven's meat or things of that nature that you know have natural natural points of power dousing equipment as well and all yes that. um and yeah any any information or equipment that you could give us to help us find such location uh yeah he he has he can point you to some you know like the tuning fork to, is that the douse the dowsing rod uh yeah or, uh yeah, yeah. Th- these have been said to react with uh, certain convergences and holy lines and sacred sites. Uh, as far as Boston, well, you know, Massachusetts has a storied history with witchcraft, and there are many sites across the state that I point you to. Within Boston itself, um, as I understand it, some of the Boston Public Garden uh, used to be old farmland and was the site of reported witchcraft. That definitely helps. Uh uh, perhaps any other locations um, where that you may have, have found uh, buildings or churches or anything of, of the matter. Well, uh, perhaps uh, one location that we had been kind of drawn to that or led to is up near Harvard, perhaps anywhere near, up near there that you know of. I can't say I've heard anything in particular about Harvard, but it is said that the finals clubs there were erected on holy sites where they get their mysterious and secret power. But that's hearsay. Although one does wonder at the amount of presidents and senators and congressmen that come out of those places, you know, perhaps there's a convergence in all of nature that propels these men forward. It's an interesting idea. Yes. Yes. Whether the power that makes the man or the the men gathering together makes the power will... Uh, a discussion that can be made. There's also the idea that horrible events can mark the land and leave behind a, a, a site ever after. Uh, I, again, the Boston Public Gardens, when they were erecting the subway in that area, you know, they used slaves at the time, and many of them died during the work, and it was only recently discovered a mass grave for these people there, hmm. just a few years back. That would certainly leave a mark on the land. I think it was 80, 80 something bodies in this grave. That is quite the, the, uh, tragedy there. But yes, I, I see what you mean. Um, I can't remember the, the farm, the name of the, of who owned the farm that the Boston public garden now stands on, but yes, accused of witchcraft and killed. And here we are many years later and 80 laborers are, are killed in the construction of a subway on that area and buried in mass. That's kind of how these things line up, it seems to me. Yes, either created through horrific events or sacri- uh, sanctified through uh, 
uh, occultist means. Uh, it sounds as if this is the Boston Public Garden has had both happen there. Yes, um, not too far from here. I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, to give you guys context, it's it's very much like a Central Park in Boston. Okay. So you would have like the Boston Public Garden or... Boston Commons. Boston Commons, as it's called. You've probably actually yeah. trotted through it in a couple of different video games over the years. Yeah. Fallout. Fallout 4 for sure. Yeah. Um, do you know of, of any specific location within the Boston Public Gardens? I mean, it is a, it's not exactly the smallest of locations. Uh, perhaps um, a specific region or... Well, I have chanced across a bit of, you know, children's babble, I suppose you might say, a, a little bit of a, a rumor about the garden. There is a particular statue of a woman kneeling to pluck flowers that certain enterprising kids will go and repeat a chant. It's said, if you repeat this chant three times, then good fortune comes to you. Yes, my nephew told me about this. And what is the chant? See if I can remember it. Uh, Lily of the flowers, give to us your powers. Bring the April showers and bloom the lily flowers. Scours, devours, neath the sycamore bowers. If I had it all correct, I think it was something like that. Interesting. Well, that is definitely something for me to go on. Um, as as just a curiosity, have you in your travels uh, around Boston? Uh, come across any locations where you sense these powers. Uh, from what uh, Johan had been saying, you you have a sensitivity to some of these things. Uh, unfortunately, I, I I have not had any firsthand experience with that, and I must profess that uh, this is more of just an interesting topic to me. I do not believe there is any power behind these sorts of things. How could there be? This is an age of reason. Yes, but you know, as as we discover uh, through reason, you know, many things that were previously unexplained have perfectly good explanations, and you know, perhaps one day these ley lines will be found to have a scientific explanation behind them as well. I can, I suppose, say that the Cops Hill neighborhood has a peculiarity to it, particularly the old Corbett house. Yes, that one. That one I'm aware of. And as I understand it, the Chapel of Contemplation has a sordid past, the old church grounds there. Yes, that's another one that we have, we've also uh, have documented. I was just curious if there were any others that you may have, uh, you've, have come across. You found that all to be false, I hope. Well, you quite know, the, the contrary. <laughs> there, is a, there is definitely a, a source of energy, I, I should say, there at those locations that... Uh, has yet to be fully understood. And I'm curious if some of these other locations that have reported ley lines have similar energies. Well, that's the closest in proximity there on the Boston Commons, Boston Public Garden. Uh, I mean, there are other sites I could direct you to. I, I'm not sure of one in the Cambridge neighborhood. That place has been well-to-do for a long time now, and the rich are quite good at guarding their secrets until time has passed. Yes, better than I had first anticipated. Hopefully that's of some help. Yes, it does. And I'll uh, kind of gather up the the materials for searching him out and purchase them from him. Well, he kind of sighs and he's like, uh, in a halting voice, J just out of curiosity, what, 
what it is it that you're going to be doing. Curiosity kills a cat. <laughs> well, uh, as you had mentioned, uh, the Boston Public Garden, you know, had a mass grave there. And, you know, as a seeker of artifacts for my museum, I, I look for any of these locations that may have gathered people uh, performing rituals in the past that I might be able to gather relics for my museum and and document the lesser-known histories of of America, particularly those that uh, lay along the lines that people would consider the occult. Okay. Well, he's like, oh, okay. Um, all right. Well, you you seem perturbed. Is there is there uh, something that you were afraid that I was going to do? Uh, no, no, nothing. Which you see that he is he was afraid to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I thought a lot of people come in here, they want to perform midnight seances and it's always a bad idea <laughs> um ours is in the afternoon i believe <laughs> or or even afternoon seances for that matter well we don't have any plans on such things have uh, you ever seen such things produce results i've always been a little bit of a skeptic about those those uh, manner of things and reaching out to the spiritual beyond but i try to keep an open mind in such matters I uh, c can with confidence say that I am uncertain <laughs> of the truth. Well, it, it seems like he is certain of it. Okay. But uh, if I had, I would strike it up to just, you know, some, some sort of psychosis, you know, brought on by the group performing it. They, they were so, they could be so good about spinning their yarn and the, the history of what had happened that it creates images in the mind that, become as powerful as reality i'm certain that that's what happens in these cases and that's what happened in my case he was alone when he began to scrawl <laughs> the words on the wall <laughs> well <laughs> well well i may not be an expert in psychology uh, i have been aware of many cases where those kinds of psychosis can can happen uh have you heard of any any such issues out like in areas around you, you mentioned that quite a few people come in for these midnight seances. Has there been anyone that's reported success or uh, as to that? Um, maybe I misspoke. I, I, maybe it was just one memorable instance of people coming in to perform a seance <laughs> and which, uh, the better part of my curiosity or the worst part of my curiosity forced me to join in on. And, um, <clears throat> they made some very, disturbing claims that I don't have a recollection of. But as I said, I, I believe it was a mass psychosis from that point. And the, the banging and uh, all of the hoopla around apparitions was there. And uh, I, I think I just wished at that time too much for it to be true. Well, that, that, that may be very good. And I, I apologize for disturbing you. you. You seem a bit agitated by the experience. And I, I, Surely had no wish to to upset you. Are you ready to? Yes, yes, pay? yes. If you if you'll ring me up, then I'll, I'll be on my way and and leave you to your peace. All right. So um, he rings you up. You you buy your things. Which what is your daily cash limit? Um, I think it's ten bucks. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a markup on these sorts of goods. So we'll say you deduct fifteen from your cash. Okay. To to buy the. Can I split with him? Yeah, if you guys want okay. to. You could probably cover it that way in your daily. Let's see how much I got. Uh, 
But when he sees you out and the doors close behind you and the uh, near eastern chime is still in the air, you see the open sign flip around <laughs> to closed. And we'll jump back over to Whitmire and Dr. Andrews. What did you do to that poor man? Nothing. Uh, we invited him along because he was knowledgeable of seances and he wished to see one performed. Well, uh, I believe he no longer wishes he had. Unfortunately, uh, uh, who was it? One of our companions fell from the second story window before we could actually get to the real meat of a seance. And Lamar scrolled all over the walls. <laughs> anyway, I have 10 spending cash. Is uh, like if we're. Yeah, be split between you. You guys can cover it. Okay. This has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.